This is No Stop Lights with Ken R. Thank you for joining us for another non-award-winning edition of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors again, Mickey Finns, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, Schofields, Carolina Bank Pepsi of Florence. I want to use some props today. Not necessarily props, but I want to, I want to refer to um, documentation. I, I make no bones about it. I'm not a journalist. I don't have any interest in being a journalist. I guess to some degree, I'm a former politician gone bad. Uh, I'm in the world of punditry, and I'm an opinion monster. And, um, you know, I, I believe that the majority of my opinions are fact-based. But, but I don't know that I have the only justif- justifiable opinion on what the facts are. So I want to be careful uh, with this story because it's a very important story that, that apparently those who profess to be journalists aren't very interested in. Um, I perused the websites of the New York Times, the Washington Post, Politico, CBS News, ABC News, NBC News, and found not a single story covering uh, what what could potentially be a bombshell, blockbuster of a story. There's a report out there, and, and for those who are politically astute, keep up with politics in some way, shape, or form, um, I mean, even, even those that I refer to as a Seinfeld watcher, the greatest to ever do this, and by that I mean political opinion giving, is Rush Limbaugh. And Limbaugh referred to a group of people as low-information voters. Um, the low-information voter is what I call the Seinfeld watcher that they're plenty smart, they're very able, they're very capable. They're, they're just not as interested. i got a good friend, Dr. Neil Thigpen, a former political science professor and chair of the political science program at Francis Marion University, he told me one day back when I was in politics, never underestimate the voters' intellect, never overestimate their interest. I mean, kind of stew on that for a second. Never, never believe the voters are dumb. Now, in all actuality, and as a matter of analytics, if you are of average intelligence, I don't know what the average IQ of an American is. Let's make up a number. Hypothetically, it's 100. If your IQ is 100 and you are of average intelligence, half the country's dumber than you are. I mean, there's, there's a reason it's called the, the median IQ or the average IQ. Um, that means that half the nation is at least as smart or smarter than you are, and half the nation is at least, you know, less smart or dumber. I mean, I'll be politically incorrect. Um, not as able, not, not as um, not, not as intelligent as you are. So Limbaugh coined the phrase, the low-information voter. He didn't ever, I mean, he never said they're dumb. He, he never said they're, um, they're illiterate. He simply said that they're, they're not informed. Why, why are they not informed? Because they choose not to be. That they're watching Seinfeld. I mean, there's a reason Seinfeld has 20 million viewers still in syndication. I mean, if, I read something out of, a year back that um, Seinfeld in syndication is still one of the 20 most watched television shows in America today. I mean, that's pretty wild. But there, there's a um, that there's almost a fixation. It's a little bit like an addict. I mean, how do I break the addiction of not watching Seinfeld when I watched every episode and I know everything Kramer does and Elaine does and Jerry does and and George does. Um, but, 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 you know, the, the, the late great Rush Limbaugh, low information voter, um, the very average yours truly Seinfeld watcher. So Victor David Hanson, I'm jumping around here, but, but I'll get to a, a specific place here in a second. Victor David Hanson, and this is a prop. I got props here that I'm going to use for accuracy's sake. I want you to, to think that at times I can be 
as committed to the truth as some of the journalists uh, profess to be committed to the truth. But um, but I wrote this verbatim. Victor David Hansen, he would be a conservative intellect, uh, sympathetic to America first. The majority of conservative intellects in America today are not very sympathetic to America first because they find it to be shallow-minded. It's a little bit elementary. It's a little bit juvenile. It's a little bit, I mean, well, what do you mean, uh, if, you know, uh, trade, China, immigration? I mean, it's got to be more complicated than that. I'm a big fan of J.D. Vance, of Peter Thiel, of Josh Hawley, of Blake Masters, because I believe that at some level they had the intellectual underpinning to the America First movement that I think that the only way America First can sustain, it can't be just a personality. It can't be a political character named Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a political unicorn. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't know that the world has ever seen anybody like Donald Trump. I mean, maybe Andrew Jackson in an era where there was no Twitter, no Facebook, no social media, no 24-7 news. But if there were, I got to believe that Andrew Jackson would have probably been similar to Donald Trump, every man's president. Uh, explain that. I can't. What do you mean he can't? It's a force of nature. I can't put my thumb on exactly um, what Trump is or, or what he's created or where it goes from here. But but I do believe that it's going to require a, a level of, of commitment, of intellectual understanding, of intellectual curiosity. And and I think e- even the most ardent Trump supportable degree, that ain't him. I mean, he's not that kind of guy. Victor David Hansen would be one of those who, once again, sympathetic to the America firster but intellectual enough to try and offer up sustainable rationale for where the political movement goes from here. So Victor David Hansen, Prop 1, Victor David Hansen said, and I quote, the bicoastal elite has more money, control of nearly all major American institutions. He's talking about media academia. I'm, I'm opining now. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. Media academia uh, and now corporate America to some degree have bought into uh, the wokeism the, the political correctness, the inclusiveness, the um, not equality, but rather equity, uh, diversity, uh, but they don't have the majority of public support. The majority of the public don't believe that, that Bud Light should have celebrated um, someone afflicted with gender dysphoria, uh, the, especially the, the 80% of Budweiser consumers or, or beer consumers, forget Anheuser-Busch for a second, but um, the largest consumer of beer in America is a heterosexual white male. Newsflash. I mean, I think most homosexual females would admit, now you got us on that one. You, you know, we got you on some of these other things. And we've convinced, convinced Target to do this, North Face to do that, and, and the body politic and the media. You know, okay, fair enough. But but and, and what, when you go to the counter at the convenience store or grocery store, the majority of people buying cold beer are heterosexual white males. So so when, when, when the bicoastal elites amass so much influence, and I'm talking about money. I've got this phrase, and, and my sidekick knows what I'm about to say. Money's the answer. Now, what's the question? I mean, in politics, mm-hmm. in business, in life in general, the majority of answers boil down to money. Charles Barkley famously said, it's not the money, it's how much money. And, and I think when you look at the bicoastal elites, to Victor David Hansen's point, uh, they have more money. They obviously have control of the major American institutions. Uh, not many conservative America firsters chairing the board of corporate Americans or, or American corporations. Not many America firsters uh, presiding over prestigious academic universities. I doubt very seriously that CBS is run 
by a devout America firster. I doubt that ABC News is run by a devout America firster. I, I don't know what the CEO of the of New York Times does, but I doubt very seriously he has a MAGA baseball cap in his closet. So, so t- let, let, let's take prop one, what Victor David Hansen says about the bi-coastal elites. I don't like that. It irks me. It gets under my skin. It frustrates me. Uh, to some degree, it keeps me up at night because that's a powerful force to deal with. But when the bi-coastal elites have amassed so much ability to influence debate, to, to, to squelch debate, to censor uh, debate by their control of the majority of money, the majority of academia, the majority of media, uh, the majority of these major American institutions that are in charge. And historically, uh, a fairly high percentage of Americans have trusted them to have the best interests of the American people at heart. I don't know that they do now. In fact, when you look at the polling, um, the majority of Americans don't believe that Target made a good decision. The majority of Americans don't believe that Bud Light made a good, forget the marketplace. I mean, the marketplace is obviously answering uh, the question. The heterosexual white male is drinking a different beer now. Uh, so, some of the uh, the mother-daughter combinations that go to Target are looking for somewhere else to go now. Uh, they take it a big hit in the marketplace. So, so forget opinion for a second. But I, mean, I guess opinion flows down. Well, uh, the, the, the market flows downstream from opinion. The heterosexual white male forms an opinion and makes a different choice. The mom-daughter who goes to Target to buy back-to-school clothes have an opinion about what Target does. It may be based on religion. It may be based on conservative values and virtues. It may be based on conservative upbringing. It may be based on uh, being a dumb Southerner like I am. But, but it's based on something. And, and some of those market choices run downstream from the opinions we formulate as society. But you've got the bi-coastal elite with control and influence, and you've got American public opinion. And American public opinion is beginning to, and this goes to the, to the Seinfeld watcher. Uh, once again, never underestimate their intelligence, their ability to understand, never overestimate their interest. There's a debate tonight on ABC News. I'm watching Seinfeld. That there, there's a rally in Des Moines, Iowa, about the Iowa caucus to see who's going to be the Republican nominee for president. Uh, yeah, I'm watching Seinfeld. Can you believe what Jerry told Elaine? Can you believe what Elaine told? You see where I'm headed. I mean, the, the, plenty <laughs> that smart. That Kramer's crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, but but they're, 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 they they don't buy in to the nuances of politics. What what they basically rev, they, they made their mind up. Nobody's going to shoot me straight. So why not watch actors play a, a role that they're really not? It, it's almost, I mean, there's, you know, you and I have this discussion about Saturday Night Live. Politics has got to a point now, where does the skit end and reality begin? We really don't know. I mean, it's hard to distinguish what is satire or comedy from uh, what is reality. But I want to go to, um, uh, you know, public um, example number two. And this is a prop. I'm using props here today. And I'm not going to read it verbatim. But Andy McCarthy has been, I think, probably the fairest voice in covering the presidency of Donald Trump that I've been able to find. Um, I'm an America firster. I'm a devout America firster. I'm less devout to Donald Trump. I mean, you know, I tell people a lot. You know, I accept the flaws and fallacies of the man. He, you know, if, if I'm running a race, uh, I, I sent you a video a couple of uh, over the weekend about two of the greatest racehorses in the history of, uh, of the world. Secretariat in 73, Seattle Slough in 77, won the Triple Crown. C- kind of interesting. The two horses had personalities and, um, you know, accomplished great things on the, on the horse track. 
And um and and I you know I would much rather run this race as an America Firster with a Seattle Slew or a Secretariat that they weren't flawless, but they were damn good thoroughbreds. Now that, that they were not without flaw. Secretariat may have been without flaw, but Seattle Slew a little bit different. But but so so if I'm going to run the race as an America Firster, I I, I can't be choosy right now. I mean, maybe Ron DeSantis is an America first, or maybe he's not. J.D. Vance is not running for president. Josh Hawley's not running for president. Blake Masters didn't win the Senate seat in Arizona. So right now, it's Trump or nobody. I mean, it's not Seattle Sleuth Secretariat or somebody else. I mean, it's Trump. I mean, Trump is the only proven America firster that, that voters have to choose from today. Now, DeSantis, I think, will do somewhat of an effective job at convincing people, hey, I'm not Trump. I'm not the character that Donald Trump is, but but I'm not a traditional neoconservative establishment Republican. I, I'm enough of this and an acceptable amount of that to win a general election and and you know continue in the um continue being the change agent that a lot of us uh, believe needs to be taking place in Washington. But 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 Andy McCarthy has been a fair arbiter. I mean, he really and truly has. I've read an article as an America Firster that frustrates me by Andy McCarthy. I've read some others that I'm like, okay. I mean, you high-five yourself like, wow, I mean, he nailed that one. But but it's, it's, it's home cooking. I mean, he says the things that I wanted to be um, said. But McCarthy, and, and this is where I want to go to some of the other props. And um, I'm going to do this right now. Let, let's do this. Um, let's go to the New York Times website before – I use this next prop. Let's on New York Times, NYT.com. Yeah, here we go. New York Times, breaking news, U.S. News, world news. Schumer pushes for quick Senate vote on debt limit as deadline nears. A pair of debt ceiling deal to pause on student debt payments is coming. Uh, the nonprofit health system cuts off patients with medical debt. A uh, Russian strikes Kiev again, killing a mother and a nine-year-old. A Russian border town is faced with the front-line reality of the Kremlin's war against um, Ukraine, let's go a little bit further. Uh, here we go. Miami has been in vogue at City Hall, has been in turmoil. Um, Ron DeSantis, who has frequently clashed with the press, snapped at a reporter while campaigning in New Hampshire. Uh, another story, Donald Trump and Andrew Cuomo, often antagonist, saw an opening to attack Ron DeSantis over his pandemic leadership. That's the New York Times, the gray lady, the paper of record. Let's go to the Washington Post, one of the other major um, legacy media outlets in America that we expect to be on top of the most important political stories in America today. You ready? Uh, New York Times. Senate racing to pass debt ceiling bill ahead of default deadline. Uh, White House members opposed to the bill and where they stand ideologically. Uh, by arming Ukraine, Biden shows growing appetite to cross Putin's red lines. Uh, catatonic woman awakened after 20 years. That'd be a more human interest story. Uh, what eight right-leaning columnists think about Republican candidates. Uh, in deep red state county, a student teacher revolt changed the right. Ah, you got some about national spelling bee. Ah, uh, the royal wedding. Uh, near record storm Atlantic is a worry. We have that every year, right? Uh, the climatologist, uh, the climaterist. Uh, near record warm Atlantic is a worry as hurricane season uh, begins. Hold on to that uh, climate change story for just a second. So, so there is no coverage at all. But I looked at CBS, ABC, and NBC before we went on the air. Uh, the Washington Post and New York Times. These are props. I mean, I'm doing this to prove a point. I began this podcast by proclaiming myself an opinion monster. I'm not a journalist. I don't have any interest in the news. I, I, I read these news stories. I think I've done this long enough to evaluate 
who's shooting you straight and who's not, who's covering what and who's not. But we've got a story in American politics today that is as big a story as we've had in maybe forever. I mean, I don't know what the biggest story in American history. You and I debate the greatest American rock and roll band ever. You've got an opinion. I've got an opinion. Who's the greatest rock and roll band ever? I don't know. Hell, I mean, you 100 people have 100 opinions. Am I right and you're wrong? No. I mean, it's your opinion of that. There's no way to factually prove who the greatest American rock and roll band is ever. Uh, th- there's a great debate amongst uh, music scholars and enthusiasts and connoisseurs. Who's the greatest band ever? Is the Beatles or Rolling Stones? Well, I mean, look at what the Beatles did and how quick they did it. Yeah, but look at how long the Stones have been together and how long they've been relevant. So, uh, but, but who's the greatest rock and I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, it's, it's, it's your opinion. But, but you can't say Sly and the Family Stones is the greatest American rock band ever, right? I mean, you can't just say that. You could argue CCR. I mean, I could argue the East Street Band. You could argue the Eagles. Uh, somebody else could argue Fleetwood Mac. I mean, that, th- those are worthy candidates. We can debate that or not. I, you know, I, I don't know that this is the biggest political story in American history, but it's damn big. I mean, it's a big one, and I, and I want to go to prop number two. I, I'm not going to read it verbatim, but Andy McCarthy in the National Review writes an article, and it is so engaging, enlightening, and important. And the reason I'm reading this article, guys, is the people we trust to do the work of journalists choose to not do it. That they've chosen instead to be a propaganda arm for the American political left, that they po- they've chosen to be not journalist but antagonist of anything associated with Donald Trump or America first. Now, now you can have your opinion as to why they're doing that. Why in the hell is the, uh, is the American political media choosing to be a propaganda arm for the American political left? Well, I mean, they're kindred spirits. That they're of the same mindset. But, but why have they chosen to be antagonistic toward everything relating to America first? I don't know that. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm confused by that. It doesn't, it doesn't confuse me at all that the majority of college professors are liberal and, and believe in liberal causes, big government, fund the government to the extreme. And I mean, that, that doesn't surprise me. That surprised me that the media is liberal. But it does surprise me that they choose to not report when an American president is accused of taking a bribe. That's pretty wild. I mean, that's pretty crazy. It doesn't surprise me that the DNC doesn't cover it. It doesn't surprise me that the, the most liberal, the most loud and proclaiming liberal voices on the American left don't, don't cover that. I mean, I get it. But the Washington Post and New York Times profess to be journalists. And how can you call yourself a journalist, have a story that Andy McCarthy gives credence to that says there is information that, that leads some to believe that this current president has taken a bribe from a foreign national. So I want to go to McCarthy because he is a very um, sound legal scholar. He's not a hack. I mean, nobody would ever accuse Andy McCarthy of being a hack. You can accuse him of being a conservative. You can accuse him of being uh, kind of favoring to the right. You can accuse him of, a, oh, that's that guy that's been on Fox News. That's that guy whose opinion piece is published twice a week in the National Review. Okay. I mean, when somebody is on Fox News, do they lose all credibility with everybody? I mean, if somebody chooses to write an article or two that is published in the National Enquirer, I mean, excuse me, the National Review, does that that diminish any credibility they may have? I mean, is that where we are in America today? The only people that have any credibility are those who write for the New York Times or the Washington Post or report for ABC or CBS or NBC? Really? I mean, it, it seems to me that that's where we are. Let's not win the debate. Let's not have the debate.
Let, let's, let's, not, let's not have vigorous debate or dialogue on um, said important issue. Let's just not even allow that debate to take place. So Andy McCarthy says, and I quote, um, I explained in a column we posted earlier today that FBI Director Christopher Wray received one of those wonderful things a few weeks back from House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, a subpoena. For an investigator, a subpoena is wonderful because it is not a suggestion or a request. It is a demand backed by the force of law. That goes as well for congressional subpoenas as for grand jury and trial subpoenas. They are flouted at the recipient's peril, which can mean findings of contempt and even criminal prosecution. As former Trump advisor Steve Bannon was reminded last year, while another Trump advisor, Peter Navarro, is facing a criminal trial for contempt of Congress this coming September. Now, now what did Bannon and Navarro have in common? They were associated with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fair Trump. game. They're, they're fair game. Nobody ever voted for Steve Bannon. Nobody ever voted for Peter Navarro. Steve Bannon never led the FBI. Peter Navarro never led the, the largest and most important law enforcement agency in the world. At one time, the most prestigious law enforcement in all of the world. Continue with McCarthy. No agency of the federal government is more reliant on subpoenas or more intolerant of noncompliance than them, than the FBI. The subpoena has thus gotten Ray's attention, though not as corporation. Uh, finally, with Comer's threat to hold him in contempt, echoed by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in a recent conversation with the director, Ray has moved off his right, mullish refusal even to acknowledge the existence of the specific subpoena document. Here's kind of an interesting point now. You ready? A report of an interview with a confidential human source and FBI lingo at CHS recorded in a standard FBI form, uh, FD-1023. That's their lingo, not mine. So you got a CHS, confidential human source, and a, and a form, FD-123. The CHS is said to have claimed that as Vice President Joe Biden took a $5 million bribe from someone connected to a foreign government. Now, there's some speculation out there about Ukraine. We don't know. Don't have any idea. We don't know that Biden took a bribe. We just know that the CIA, excuse me, the FBI in its possession has a form FD-1023 that is um, supported by an interview with a confidential human source. McCarthy continues, Ray conceded the document's existence this afternoon in a telephone conversation with Comer, that's James Comer, chair of the Oversight Committee, and Chuck Grassley, chair of the Senate Intelligence uh, Committee, the lawmakers report and statements that Grassley's office is circulating. Ray, wait, ah, Ray remains adamant, however, that he will not provide a copy of the document to the committee as commanded by uh, the subpoena. I don't want to read it all, but but I do want to go back to, to this. This is an interesting. The director has offered to allow Comer and Representative James Raskin, he's a uh, Democrat from Maryland, the committee's ranking member, to review the document at the FBI's, FBI's office. As I contend in this column, this is the kind of my way or the highway position the FBI used to get away with when its reputation was, was much better. It used to be enough to get Congress to back off. But after eight years of politicization, uh, politicization, politicization, am I saying that? Politicization. There you go. Politicization. I'm leaving the C out of that. Politicization of the um and of the scandals that the FBI has been involved in. Um, Ray has to confront this legal reality. I mean, there there is no ifs ands or buts. Continue with McCarthy. 
because when McCarthy says this, he's a former district attorney. He is very versed in constitutional law. He understands the inner workings of government in relation um, to the law. And, I mean, he's basically saying that, well, if he's not basically saying it, he is. I'll quote it verbatim. He has no sound basis to refuse compliance with the congressional uh, subpoena. And this is what we talked about this morning on our radio show. The FBI was created by statute. It's subject to congressional oversight. It, it, it's dependent on Congress for its powers and its funding. It's not constitutionally authorized. I mean, it, it's not a co-equal branch of government. It doesn't have these constitutional protection. It does. I mean, the, the, the Congress could gather tonight and decide to abolish the FBI to defund, not just defund, to just say no longer will there ever be a Federal Bureau of Investigation. It depends on congressional statute for its authority. So, so we've got members of Congress, ranking members of Congress, who Reyes said, no, you can't see this Form 1023. Now, these are the same members of Congress who are privileged to see some of the top national security secrets this country has. And Christopher Wray, head of the FBI, has said to Chuck Grassley's office and Jim Comer's office, you can come over here and look at the redacted version, or I think they'll let him look at the um, the unredacted version, and we may eventually make public the um, the redacted version of this letter, and and but 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 the the members of Congress who have authority once again to view the top secret information of our national security are not being allowed by a appointed government official who answers to whom. The DOJ, Merrick Garland, remember this, I'm let's go to the food chain, you ready? The president appoints the, 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 the attorney general. The attorney general is over DOJ. DOJ has authority over the FBI. So the food chain is Christopher Wray serves at the pleasure of Merrick Garland. Well, he really serves at the pleasure of president, but I mean, he answers to Merrick Garland, the, the head, you know, the attorney general, head of DOJ, and that answers to the executive branch of government. The, the judiciary... I mean, if you go back to Jeffersonian uh, thought, and, I, and I've tried to preach this a lot to others, the co-equal branches of government. The founders never intended the judiciary to be treated as the executive and, and, uh, and legislative branch. I mean, the, the founders believed that on the rare occasion that executive and legislature can't come to some resolution, they can't resolve whatever it is they're trying to resolve, the courts are to, from time to time, call ball and strikes. But, but we've, we've entered an era in America today. We don't legislate. We litigate. We let the courts decide the big issues in America today. And it looks to me like that, um, that Christopher Wray is comfortable in being held in contempt of court. I mean, they're giving him a little wiggle room here. Um, but, but the document in question is not classified. Once again, um, Speaker McCarthy has offered Christopher Wray um, redaction authority but he wants the essence of the letter uh, to be left intact. So, so in closing, and we've used some props here, and I've gone to the websites of the Washington Post and, and New York Times because they profess to be, um, I mean, here we go, the Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness. Well, I mean, th- this, is, this is dishonesty by omission. You've got a story, and we've had others who say, well, I mean, the, the human source is Rudy Giuliani, and Giuliani is affiliated with, with um, is he telling the truth? I don't give a rat's ass who Rudy Giuliani supported in the last presidential election. Is that where we are in America? That if you make an accusation, it can only be taken seriously if you supported the right candidate for president? 
Oh, but if you supported Donald Trump, you're not allowed to be a, a confidential human source? I mean, hypothetically, I don't know if it's Giuliani or not. I believe this. I believe that as much as the FBI's leaked and as much as the FBI's misled, and this is the same FBI that misled a FISA court judge. This is the same FBI that altered a document. I mean, an FBI agent named Kevin Kleinsmith altered a document to, to convince a FISA court judge it was not opposition research, but rather genuine, authentic intelligence that led to a FISA court issuing a FISA warrant that authorized the spying, the surveilling on Donald Trump's campaign. So, 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 you know, do you really believe the FBI would do that? Hell yes. They've already done that. I mean, they've crossed the Rubicon. They've shown you the Durham report confirms that the FBI absolutely will put their thumb on the scales when it comes to in intervening in the affairs of a presidential election. And, and, and I love it when someone says, well, I mean, the confidential human source is Rudy Giuliani. Here's the question. Is he telling the truth? Is there, is there a confidential human source who has worked with the FBI, who has authenticated his story, and by that I mean given his account of what he believes to be true, the FBI has filled out or archived and memorialized that information in one of these Form 20, uh, 1023s, and the mainstream media, there's another Limbaugh coined phrase, the mainstream media says nothing to see here. Not only will we, and, and let, let's go to this. I'm rambling, but forgive me for a second. I mean, I've had a fast twitch here and uh, 200 grams of caffeine and the busy head syndrome. It kind of goes wherever it goes. Put, put your thinking caps on for a second. If the FBI has proven to be suspect to politics, and we know now, per the Durham report, that the FBI is tainted, I could go so far as to say corrupt, but they were obviously complicit in helping Hillary Clinton win the 2016 election. It didn't work, but they were complicit, obviously. I mean, they, they took opposition research and quote-unquote pitched it to a FISA court judge as if it were, you know, authentic intel. So I mean, that, that's proven. I mean, we know that to be true, and the Durham report corroborates uh, that reality. But, but let's go here for a second. Let, let, let's make the assumption, hypothetically, let's say that the confidential human source is Rudy Giuliani. What better way to discredit the story, if you're the mainstream media, than to expose Rudy Giuliani as the confidential human source? I mean, to those who believe that Giuliani is the only confidential human source pitching the story to the FBI that Biden got paid $5 million in influence peddling money uh, in trade for some legislation or the advancement of some legislation. Once again, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I don't have any idea what Joe Biden did or didn't do. I do have a lot of questions about Biden's wealth. I mean, I've asked this question about climate change. You, you want to debate climate change? Here's the only question I want to start with. What is the optimal temperature of the planet Earth? I mean, once you establish what the optimal temperature of the planet Earth, then how do we get there? Is the optimal temperature of the planet Earth 78.6? And if it's, if it's 80.9, how do we get to 78.9? But if we can't establish what the optimal temperature of the planet Earth is, how do we debate climate change? I mean, how, how high is the Atlantic Ocean supposed to be on the coast of South Carolina? I mean, does anybody know what it was a million years ago? A billion years ago? You don't. I don't. I doubt anybody does. 
But there are people who say they do and people foolish enough to believe those people who say they do. So, so simplicity is beautiful in certain circumstances. The, 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 there's a very complicated debate about climate change. But to me, it starts with a simple question. What is the optimal temperature of the planet Earth? So let's go to the Bidens. Let's apply that same mindset to the Bidens. How do the Bidens make all their money? How did the Bidens buy? How did Joe Biden buy a home formerly owned by the DuPonts? How does Hunter Biden make six, eight million dollars a year? I mean, forget his personal life. Prostitutes and crack. I mean, that, that's his business. I mean, it's unfortunate. It is sad. It's human tragedy. I don't wish that on anybody. Uh, that's a father and son. And I mean, there, there's a humanistic component to that 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 we all should um, care for and care about. But but the reality is, the Bidens have become wealthy. How? What is the optimal temperature of the planet Earth? How did the Bidens become wealthy? I think they became wealthy because they're corrupt. I think they became wealthy because they are willing to do whatever it takes to get paid in the name of influence peddling. I, I think the difference in the Clintons and Bidens, the Clintons are real smart. I don't think the Bidens are. And, you know, and, and you know the, the Clintons started a um, <laughs> the Clintons started a, started a foundation and then got wealthy. You think Henry Ford's a great businessman? Hell no. Henry Ford started Ford Motor Company and uh, revolutionized the auto industry before the Henry Ford Foundation came along. Bill and Melinda Gates. I mean, they, they, you know, they're, they're, they're baby shit alongside what the Clintons have done. I mean, the Clintons started a foundation and then got wealthy after that. And I, and I just think the Bidens play loose and fast. And I think the, the, the media is doing America a great disservice by not covering this story. The, the, here's what we know today. We know that there's a confidential human source that has gone on the record with the FBI. We know that Christopher Wray has told Congress, you can't see that document. We can't make public that document. We know that Congress is considering uh, holding Christopher Wray in contempt of court. Is the FBI in on a cover-up? Don't know. Don't have any idea. Is Rudy Giuliani the confidential human source? Don't know. Don't have any idea. But I do know the Bidens are rich, and I do wonder how they got rich. And I do know that Jim Comer has bank records. And I know the bank records have been made somewhat public. I mean, they've gone on the record with these bank records they have. And I do know the Bidens have more LLCs than Bill Gates. They have more shell companies than, than Microsoft. They have grandkids getting wire transfers. I mean, how many of you have grandkids to get wire transfers from foreign governments? I mean, we know that. Biden, his brother, his son, his, his daughter-in-law, his grandkids. I mean, there's a, there's a, I mean, there, that's a fact pattern. I mean, we have bank records. Jim Comer made available the bank records. How many of you, um, how many of you can't explain? And, and I go back to Trump, and I'm rambling a bit, but this is a rambling kind of story. I go back to Trump. You can accuse Trump of being a crooked businessman. You can accuse Ivanka or accuse Ivanka, Jared, Don Jr., Jared Kushner. You can accuse them of being as crooked as uh, the, the, the great P.D. River. But they have a legitimate business. They build hotels. They develop property. They build golf courses. They're in the real estate business. I mean, you can say they suck at it. They're good at it. They're bad at it. Uh, there's no question they built a casino in New Jersey. It failed, and the taxpayers left holding the bag. That, that's well documented. I mean, that's proven. We know that to be true. We know that Trump has probably made some money in some hotels, not made some in others. He's made money in some golf courses, not in others. Some apartment complexes, not in others. You could call his family slumlords. I mean, you could say he should have stayed in Queens. I mean, th th those are very reasonable debate points. What have the Bidens ever done to be wealthy? I think they're corrupt. I think they peddle influence. 
and I don't think uh, that they know any limits. I believe that the confidential human source knows things, told things to the FBI, and the FBI is slow walking this information as slowly as they possibly can. It's kind of interesting. Recently, um, Jim Comey is going on some of the liberal news network. Well, I mean, a news network not named Fox. I mean, if there's a if there's a media agency out there that Comey's appearing with, and I'm not talking about um, James Comey. I'm talking about Jim Comey, the former FBI director that um that we know now is a dirty cop. I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is a dirty. I'll tell you one of the most um surreal things that I've witnessed in all of this. It is how comfortable Jim Comey is sitting down with members of the liberal media and saying there's nothing to see here. I mean, the Durham report indicts the FBI at the highest level. The political hierarchy of the FBI is corrupt. I mean, it's 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 politicization, politiz- politiz- uh, politicization. That's a weird word to say. Uh, say it real fast. Politicization. Uh, there you go. I don't know if you mispronounced it or not. <laughs> but 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 in closing, the the story that I think we should pay most attention to is that it goes back to Victor David Hansen. Uh, the bicoastal elites have more money, control of nearly all major American institutions, and I'm talking about the media, the academia, uh, some of corporate America, BlackRock, Vanguard, some of these companies instituting some of these very liberal worldviews and and implementing liberal, uh, what am I trying to say here, oversight to, to corporate America, um, but they don't have the majority of public support. But but how do you gain the majority of public support when the media chooses to not report on a story? I'm not accusing the media of misleading. I mean, I don't see a misleading story in the New York Times. I don't see a misleading story in the Washington Post. In fact, I don't see a story. So on the day, on the day that, that Comey accuses Ray of not divulging information that should be made available to members of Congress, once again, the same members of Congress who could call the intelligence community and say, hey, I want to know some information on our national security. And they're obligated to share that with Congress. Christopher Ray says no. And Congress has threatened him with some kind of sort of contempt hearing. I mean, that, that's where we are in America. And the media chooses to not make that a story. Now, would it surprise me if Christopher Ray is involved in a cover-up? Of course not. I mean, that's who the FBI has become. And, and once again, I understand the liberal mindset. I understand, you know, people in government want more control. They want government to have more control. Hence, they have, they have more control. The travesty in all of this is the craft of journalism. I, I make no bones about it. I'm not a journalist. I don't have any interest in being a journalist. I don't obligate myself to calling it fairly. I mean, I have an opinion of my interpretation of where the facts lead, but I have a political bias. I have a political leaning. I have a worldview. I mean, I'm going to spin things to suit my fancy. I mean, I am a conservative American. I believe in America first. I'm a devout America firster. So when I take to the airwaves, you damn right. You damn right I'm going to forcefully uh, advocate for the American worker, the American family, the American way of life that I think Washington has so um, been opposed to and disparaged um, in mass. I mean, just, just in, in the most real way imaginable. But there are certain people that still call themselves journalists. There are certain people that profess to call it, to call a ball or call a strike if it's a ball or if it's a strike. And, and the travesty of today, I mean, obviously the, the FBI director, I mean that, when the FBI director doesn't obey a subpoena and Congress has to threaten with contempt charges, I mean, that's a travesty. But equally, equally as injustice is the mainstream media, the people that Seinfeld watchers trust, 
to tell them what's going on in the world, choose to not mislead people about what's going on in the world, but by omission, lie to the American public about what is or what ain't the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout Northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach your financial goals. Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields, Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies. Pepsi of Florence also serve brands from other great companies, such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams, Bryce, and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, if you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro PD Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at MPDC co-op or pdec.com.